Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Show and Tell is the show where we like to bring on a cool guest to talk about something cool that they're working on. And today's cool guest is Austin Ramsey, and we're going to be talking about Kalazcon? Is that how it's pronounced? I've been saying Kalazcon. Kalazcon? Okay, we're going to talk about Kalazcon. So, as you all know, this is Tom, and I'm the host of Show and Tell, and we're going to be just asking Austin about some about this cool project, okay? Because I usually get to talk to people about games that they're making, but like I like to remind people, Show and Tell's not just about games, but it's about all sorts of cool things. And so when I get a chance to talk about something that's RPG adjacent, like Kalazcon, uh, I jump at the chance. So, Austin, thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so before we even get moving any further... Uh, we've got to talk about Beam Saber, and also, we were talking about it a little beforehand, your game won Dice Breakers People's Choice Award. First year. Yeah, that was extremely exciting for me. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. I mean, I got to play Beam Saber, and it was awesome. I had a lot of fun with it. So, and it's got, and so I'm just glad that it's getting more recognition. So, like, people are seeing the game. So, it's cool. Yeah, I got a pretty big spike of views right after the award happened. So I was glad to see that for sure. How long has Beam Saber been out? Uh, well, the 1.0 version actually just came out in September of this year. Okay. Um, but it's I've been working on it since 2017. Um, and it's been publicly available since I think 2018. That sounds right to me. Okay. All right, so we got we're going to talk about Beam Saber because it ties into Klazcon. Okay, so about Austin, who is Austin? Uh, who am I? I am a tabletop role playing game designer. Obviously, I made Beam Saber. I've made some other games as well, which you can all find on my itch store at austin-ramsey.itch.io. Uh, before I got big into the tabletop role-playing game design space. Um, I mean, I've always done, I've always designed tabletop role-playing games my entire life. Uh, there's a story that my mom likes to tell about me getting mad at the other kids because uh, they wouldn't follow the rules I came up with for our games of pretend. Yeah, because uh, sh- they, they weren't broken at all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so before I started selling my games, uh, I was the primary GM and uh, community manager for You Don't Meet in an Inn, which was an actual play podcast about exploring obscure tabletop role-playing games with a rotating cast. And that ran from 2014 to uh, early this year. We uh, ended the show. 24? That's a, that's a while ago. That I feel like that was like right at the... like the beginning of when tabletop role-playing game podcasts or actual plays started to become a thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. So uh, you've done a lot of different things. And now as you say this, because I didn't realize the actual play side of things, where now this is all starting to make sense, all right, for why you're doing what you're going to be doing. Okay. So uh, what is Kalazcon? 
I'm going to keep saying it like with a question mark. I feel like all conventions, I do that. So, all right, take it away. What is this? What's the elevator pitch for this? So the elevator pitch for this is um, originally it was a setting in the Beam Saber supplement, The Growing Conflict. There's two extra settings in that, one of them being uh, Kalizcon. And Kalizcon is a giant nomadic convention that comes together every five years and it's sort of an examination of um, the horrors and absurdities of obsessive fandom and sort of pairing that with uh, uh, you know neoliberal colonialism of spaces Uh, because it's about a convention that invades a war zone uh, to set up the convention in in a city under siege because that city that in in universe that real world city happens to share a name with an in universe fictional city that is part of the Kalazar media franchise and so this convention is all about celebrating that media franchise but uh, taken to extreme lengths. Okay. All right. So that's what the Kalazcon is in the fiction yes. of Beam Saber. Okay. So what is, because we've been kind of just kind of saying the word Beam Saber. All right. So for somebody who doesn't know, what is, Beam Saber is obviously it's a game you've made, but tell us also what's Beam Saber? What's this game about? It's a forged in the dark game about pilots of powerful machines in a war that consumes every aspect of life. Uh, so the pilots are just trying to do their part and get out mentally and physically intact, and hopefully they can bring others with them when they go. It's you know inspired by a lot of uh, anime, mecha anime, particularly Gundam, uh, but it also takes a lot of inspiration from uh, other military fiction and. Uh, military nonfiction as well. Things like The Black Company uh, by Glenn Cook and uh, Generation Kill, the uh, docudrama that was on HBO a number of years ago about the uh, initial part of the 2003 Iraq War. Interesting. So we, like I said, I got to play it and I've played Blades in the Dark before. So playing a... uh, offshoot of that a, a, a forged in the dark game is really interesting too just to see how you were able to merge the rules with anime tropes and it just felt really it felt good playing it like it was meant to be okay so um what is though what is this what's this project that you're working on that shares a name with an in-universe convention yeah. So something I've always wanted to do is set up a campaign where, and I know I'm not the first GM to imagine this, where multiple parties of players interact with each other and affect the setting collectively. And so this is an experiment in combining the conceits of the kinds of mega games you see at conventions where there are multiple groups of players 
working in their own little uh, subcommittees towards a collective objective or in competition with each other, making, you know, these grand narratives spanning dozens of players. And I'm taking that and taking those sensibilities and turning it into an actual play show. So there's going to be six different groups of players involved in this. Each group is going to have five players, or including a GM. Uh, and so they are going to indirectly interact with each other and affect the narrative together. Because I'm also combining this with a rudimentary uh, democratic system based on a representative parliament. And so the way this is going to work, assuming everything goes smoothly, is that each squad of players will conduct a mission, a typical beam saber mission, followed by a typical beam saber downtime session. And then at the end of that, they will relay their desires to their parliamentary representative. And then all each squad's parliamentary representative will have a, a recording session together where they will make plans about the future of their military campaign, as all of them belong to the same military force that is at war with the Kalizkan uh, community. <laughs> On top of the locals who that Kalizkan have planted their flag on top of. Okay. All right, so there is, I have a lot of questions, and I, but I'm going to stick to my outline that I put together. Okay, so there's a lot of, all right. So I've played in one of these can, kind of games that you're talking about at a convention, all right, where it was four different tables of players, and we were all interacting to try to solve the, the same problem. We were trying to kill a giant Tarrasque, all right? And we were swapping. There was all sorts of, you know, sharing resources between tables and a lot of interacting, all right? And it was it was chaotic, but it worked out in this, in this circumstance, and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, but now I'm just trying to think about how this would even work streaming-wise or, or just running an actual play. Um, the, so my first question is, where are the players coming from? We've got quite a breadth of players. I'm actually just putting the finishing touches on the organizational side of things with arranging people. And we've got two groups of players who are primarily located on the uh, Pacific Coast, or at least in the uh, Pacific Standard Time Zone. We've got one group in Central Standard Time Zone, one group in the Eastern Standard Time Zone, and one group in the UK, primarily. Okay. All right. So it's smart to keep everybody kind of... Okay. Do these people know each other already? Do the groups know each other already? Or are you just combining strangers and hoping it works? Mostly the latter. Some of the okay. people know each other. Some don't. Um, actually, I would say most don't. Uh, okay. But there are a number who are familiar with each other who I've tried to put together in the same group so that they've, you know got a familiar face that they're playing with so that's players so as far as the 
who's going to be running these games? Are you running all of these games? God, no. <laughs> okay. That was one of my first thoughts was, what is my role going to be in this project? Yeah, I'm curious. Like, what, what are you doing and who's running them then? Yeah. Yeah, so I am restricting myself to being the project manager for the whole thing and also the Speaker of the House for the parliamentary sessions, which I've specifically done because theoretically that should be a fairly small role in terms of actual role-playing. It's mostly to be there as the, you know, essentially political referee of what happens. And it's also going to be the most experimental part rules-wise. Okay. So I want to be there in person to try and keep a hand on the till. All right, yeah, I've got, yeah, I just have a... I've got actually questions about the mechanics of how that will work. Okay. So, all right. So can you tell us who any of your GMs are going to be then? Yeah, I think, I think I can probably announce. And under, we told, and also I will caveat this. This is not, uh, this project is not, it's not ready yet. So things may change. So awesome. Whatever you could share is, I, I just think super interesting to kind of peel the curtain back here. So actually, one of the uh, one of the GMs in uh, the the Pacific's one of the Pacific groups is actually Mo that we that you and I played Team Saber yeah. with together a while ago. Um, uh, another GM is a friend of mine, uh, Hadrian, um, as he's known online. Uh, he's got a lot of Beam Saber experience. He's been on both a player and a GM in several Beam Saber campaigns. I think he might actually have played more Beam Saber than I have. Nice. Um, he's certainly been in more campaigns. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, and then some other people uh, who I I don't know that listeners would necessarily know. Or... Okay, no, that's that's fine. I think it's, it's cool that I'm glad that most jumping in there, so... Mo's a friend of the show, so that'll be cool to see him on there. So then I have to... So how many sessions is this going to be? Because we talk about there being multiple groups, and then this final thing. So each of the groups are going to be doing their own, like... Whenever I say anything, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming this is going to be like a, almost like a mini-campaign yeah, that they're doing. That's that's the idea, is that I've... You know, with with effectively six separate groups of players... I didn't want to try and do anything too long. So it's going to be restricted uh, very strictly to five missions, four downtime sessions, and one epilogue. And so each group, aside from the parliamentary sessions, is going to have a total of ten recording sessions. Mission followed by downtime, Alternating those cycle, that cycle, and then um, one last mission followed by an epilogue instead of a downtime. This kind of goes back to I'm, I'm going to jump ahead on my notes here, but how do you, as somebody who's like managing this project, and this I think this kind of goes to actual plays in general. How do you tell? How are you going to balance the wanting to tell a cohesive story? But then also the play element of the game. Like, how, how are you doing that for this particular project? Well, uh, I'm, 
putting a lot of trust into the GMs. I'm sort of imagining it as, you know, the audience might not follow every single group. They might find a group that they really fall in love with and only follow their story. And that should be okay because that group will have its own cohesive mini campaign of, you know, five missions. Those audience members who want to hear the whole experience, they'll, you know, have five mini campaigns plus a sort of weird parliamentary debate thing to listen to that will tie them all together. And uh, after each of those parliamentary sessions, the each group will then have its marching orders for the next thing. So the way the parliamentary sessions are going to work, uh, since I, I know that topic's going to come up eventually, is the idea is that each, um, each, par- each legislator is going to have some kind of goal in mind, whether that's a personal goal, because I want to try and keep things a bit spicy by giving them reasons why they might undercut the squad that they represent, or whether they want to, you know, try and be the good politician who honestly represents their uh, constituents, which in this case is a military squad. You know, and so they'll all get together and they will, you know, first they will horse trade and give speeches and make deals and try to convince the other voters to side with them on whatever, you know, plan they want to follow and once everyone's said their piece then the voting begins and so it's not just one vote per legislator each legislator will have a number of votes equal to their squad's tier so a tier 3 squad legislator will have 3 votes that they can throw around whereas a tier 1 squad will only get the 1 vote and so this, you know, sets up more of the horse trading, you know, one vote, maybe you can't do very much with that, but maybe you can sell your vote to someone else to get their plan over the finish line and get your squad some resources in return, or perhaps for the promise of a future uh, voting block. It's it's interesting because you're, you're trying to, I get it, you're trying to create a coalition with other squads and... It's almost like you're playing like the, um, you know what I'm talking about, like the, the like a mock you in almost. I, I'm imagining that. So, but with Bean Saber and Forged in the Dark, there's that there's a, such a big element of it is coming up with a plan and seeing how that works out and working together with your team. But when you're when I think about you know meeting together for some sort of parliament, I. Feel like that sort of aspect of it is going to be removed from the game um so is it gonna are these parliament sessions gonna feel almost like a completely different game than a normal round of beam saber yes absolutely that's part of the reason that i'm going to be there to oversee them is because they are going to be very experimental they're going to be i think probably more like a downtime session in a forged in a beam saber game because each legislator is going to have two actions that they can take which can either you know they can either do 
two horse trading actions where they have a one-on-one meeting with another legislator to you know try and work some kind of deal out or they can do a speech where they speak to everyone and give a monologue to try and convince people to follow their ways and they can mix those up but they only get two each and then the voting begins and the voting is uh they they can vote on things that are uh, a general strategy that everyone will follow if not assigned a specific task and they also vote on specific tasks and so it's um i think i've worked out all the bugs on paper anyways it yeah. should work but it's good i i'm not sure that would be the most interesting thing to explain <laughs> i think it'll i think it'll come out more interesting in play because you know then you'll have the the characters of the legislators and you'll know who they're representing and what what those what the, the their constituents wants are and they'll be arguing with each other and making impassioned speeches and you'll see how they vote and where that and you'll be able to imagine what that leads to in the future but me just talking about you know like oh they can vote that anyone who's not assigned something has to make their their next mission has to be an investigation in some of some way so what so the the legislators these are going to be player characters are these going to be player characters that appear then in the individual squad missions then no they are only going to appear in the parliamentary sessions. I wanted, okay. I wanted specifically to have a sort of uh, disconnect between yeah. the squads with their boots on the ground and their legislator who represents them in the parliament. Because one of the themes, themes that I want to explore here is the limits of a representative democracy. So, I, all right. So we got we, you mentioned. So we got to get into it. Uh, why do you want to explore that? Uh, because you know dem- democracy is c- kind of the best way of organizing people that we have come up with so far i to, to be a very uh general about that statement yeah you know there are many ways to do it whether it's a true democracy where every single person gets one vote and votes on every single thing or there's the you know, more, one might say, realistic democracy at the scale that nation states operate of parliament of a representation, you know, with like the U.S. houses of Congress or the Senate or in Canada, the parliaments at the federal and provincial levels. So then one of the things that's interesting then when we, we talk about a democracy, then you have, all right, so you're, you're going to have these representatives, all right? you know, representing their constituents or their squads. And like you said earlier, they may do things that are not going to make their squads happy, all right? Is there a way for the... Can the squads then affect what is going on in the parliament? You know, it. we see... A, I mean, people's rebellions happen all the time. Like, what are we going to... How can the normal people then affect what these almost like higher up, you know, ivory tower-esque characters are doing? Well, that is a very good question. And it's something I've thought a bit about. Um, Just to say that, you know, a great thing about Forged in the Dark Games is that a long-term project can break the rules. 
And also, missions can do a lot of different things. And it's possible to have missions against people who are friendly towards you. Um, in fact, uh, uh, one of the unofficial uh, rules of what makes a Beam Saber campaign a true Beam Saber campaign is wondering whether or not your faction are the baddies. Um, so, I don't know whether or not any, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I would be very interested to see if one squad decides to pursue, you know, removing their legislator or possibly even trying to overthrow the democratic process entirely in some fashion. But I also, I also wonder if maybe they will just have their hands too full with actually fighting a war. This is true. I, I'm curious to see how it is. For me, actual plays are... I struggle listening to actual plays because I typically find them to be uh, very... This is just me generalizing a lot. Okay. Uh, for almost one-dimensional in the sense that there aren't... The stories typically don't have outside factors affecting the the game. It's usually, you know, the... The the heroes we know they're gonna we know that they're gonna win because everybody wants to have fun at the table and typically having fun is everybody's character accomplishing their goal, but I think with this it it kind of reminds me of that original table that I played at a convention where there's just you can't control what other people are doing that are outside of your game and it adds this element of chaos that I think is it makes it more engaging to the person listening. I, I certainly hope so. I I am very interested in seeing where things go, and I uh, I'm a fan of actual play shows. I've you know obviously run one myself, and uh, I listen to a, a few. So this is like yeah. So this is I mean this is really why I wanted to talk about this because it's I and obviously I haven't heard of everything, but this is the first time I've heard of something like this. So the because there really isn't a model necessarily for this, I wanted to ask you is thinking about all the technical logistics of this, are you, is this going to be a podcast? Is this going to be a stream, a YouTube? Like technically, what is it going to be? So it's not going to be a live stream. Okay. Um, I think things would be, a, that's one additional layer of chaos that I don't want to deal with. The plan is that it is going to be a pre-recorded video series that will also be released in an audio format as well. Because once you make the video format, it's pretty easy. Like that, That already requires editing the audio. So once that's done, it's easy enough to just pull the audio, audio out afterwards. I say this, but you know, We'll see. Also, relatively speaking, pull the audio out afterwards and make it its own podcast. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be a pre-recorded show that'll be uh, put up theoretically weekly onto uh, the You Don't Need It in YouTube channel. And maybe if I can figure out a good way of doing it, possibly also uh, do like a live stream premieres as well weekly okay so then also you've mentioned kind of the audio video stuff but like if you were to think about 
the other technical aspects of this, what do you think has been the most challenging or what do you think is going to be the most challenging technical aspect of this project? The biggest challenge is going to be making sure that we have good audio from every person. That was one of the, uh, uh, during the application process, I asked everyone to send in an audio sample. And so that was one of the deciding factors of um, who who was selected for the project. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised in listening through it. There was very few like out and out bad audio. I think just over the last couple of years with so much of everyone's lives moving online, I think a lot of people have pretty good mics at this point. So, okay. So that audio, I can definitely, uh, I can empathize with that being a, uh, even though it's probably going to be okay, whenever you're doing any sort of recording anything, there's just this fear, or at least for me, <laughs> is like, I'm internalized at this. This is always like, oh, is it going to sound good? Okay. So creative challenges though. All right. What would you say is the most, the, the most difficult creative challenge you've had trying to do a project like this? Honestly, trying to figure out the the legislator legislative process and the rules surrounding those parliamentary sessions uh, took some effort. Um, yeah, because you, you made a new you made a game. Yeah, I essentially did make a whole new game to bolt on. I had I had some uh, I had something to begin with though, because yeah. um, in the Beam Saber Supplement, the Growing Conflict. Uh, there is already rules for faction management um, in, instead of just being in charge of uh, the players just being in charge of their squad. This provides rules for if the players decide that they want to run a faction that is in charge of a bunch of squads. Okay. Um, so I, you know, borrowed liberally from the uh, democratic faction management rules and uh, expanded those out to what it would be like if there was, you know, multiple uh, player-controlled voting bodies instead of NPC-controlled voting bodies. Okay. So let's talk then about how this thing gets made and when it gets made. So you will be, correct me if I'm wrong, you will be going for crowdfunding, correct? Yes. Um, your listeners, they can go to tinyurl.com slash calazcon, which is C A L A Z. C O N to uh, uh, fi- sign up for uh, notification of when the Indiegogo project goes live. Um, and I'm specifically using Indiegogo because they've got the flexible funding format where even if we don't hit our, uh, our goal, uh, we still get to keep the funds. I've also applied for arts grants uh, that are local to me for um, to help uh supplement the funding for that so a lot of people don't understand or just don't realize some of the costs that can go into a uh kind of a large-scale actual play like this but can you explain then what are some of the costs involved with this right off the bat i want to ideally pay all the participants you know some some amount of money um yeah so that that's a that's a big chunk of change right there. Um, so just uh, uh, 
for all of the recording sessions um, and paying the editors to edit said recording sessions. Uh, it's 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 going to come out to nineteen thousand dollars Canadian, you know, and that's frankly not paying people as much as I would like to, but you know we're trying to do something experimental here, and I'm hoping that uh, people's passions will uh, overlook the uh, slightly unfortunate stipend that I'm hoping to pay them, um, and then on top of that. There's paying for editing software. Um, there's art that's going to be involved in the project. I've already commissioned um, a map of the Kaliskan setting um, for this project, as well as uh, a theme song for it. And then once we start getting in uh, character designs and their vehicles, those are going to need to have art as well uh, for the visual side of things. So all of that costs money. <laughs> yeah, this is a, I mean, this is a big project. So, and I, yeah, I really am. I, I, I'm hoping that people will hop onto this because I, I think it's cool. Uh, it's huge, and I, I just there's a lot of moving bits. So I'm just, I'm just really curious to see how it all shakes out. So yeah, uh, to my knowledge no one's done anything like this before you know there there are bits and pieces where uh people have done things similar you know obviously people have done uh shared setting work before people have done pre-recorded shows before pre-recorded actual play shows uh people have done mega games at conventions like yourself none of those have all been combined together <laughs> um and so i'm really while I'm afraid that, you know, there are definitely going to be unexpected speed bumps that we're going to hit, I'm really looking at this as being an experiment as well. And hopefully it will uh, break some ice for other people to follow in, other people who might be interested in similar projects of whether or not it's of a similar scale or nature. But I, yeah. I think this could potentially inspire a lot of people. Yeah, I'm kind of. I wrote that down like that. You said it's an experiment because I think that's an interesting mindset to go into it. It's just, it's trying something new, mm-hmm. which is kind of. Which is there's. I don't know. It there's this feeling that I'll get, uh, and where I'll, you, especially in tabletop RPGs, a lot of times what you see is like rehashes of things or like somebody's done that before and obviously it's hard to come up with something completely new all the time creatives i'm not a creative creatives like will go crazy trying to think of trying something new uh but so this does if, if so it's, it's new so it feels exciting so it's cool so what what do you do then if the experiment is successful what what do you where do you you know pie in the sky where would you like to see it go next uh taking a vacation <laughs> okay hey that yeah. is a, that is an um, that's an admirable goal yeah the uh the amount of work that is going to be involved in this yeah i i'm sure i'm going to be exhausted by the end of it um but as for where it might go after that i mean pie in the sky this blows up and 
you know, we get enough of an audience that maybe we can do a season two. <laughs> that would be incredible if we can do another, you know, ideally get the same people together again for another, um, you know, five uh, five missions per group as a follow-up to what happened in the previous one. That would be really cool. Um, I think that's probably the, like, absolute heights of my imagination for what could be built upon this other than seeing what other people do with uh, the lessons that we learn here. The, I, so as you're saying this, I mean, if you've watched, listeners, if you watch any anime, there is, and also you know this, there's just so many different political structures that get represented represented in so many animes. I mean, from monarchies to workers' republics to everything. So I think right now you're kind of exploring a, like a democratic republic. I think it would be cool to like use this to explore like other political systems. You know that I think that would be cool. Like that's just me though. There are, like I said, there. Uh, this borrows heavily from the faction management rules in the growing conflict, and there is. Uh, faction management rules for the other types of um, uh, political organization that exist in Beam Saber. There are rules for managing a theocracy, an autocracy, an oligarchy, a corporatocracy. Just uh, yeah. we went with a democracy because you know that gives power to the most people <laughs> by definition, right? If we could theoretically do an autocracy, but that would involve one person deciding what all happens and then potentially, you know, the groups fighting each other for that top dog position, which would be interesting in its own ways, but I think wouldn't be as, wouldn't be a good place to start, I think, with, with something so experimental. Yeah, no, I totally think that this would work is going to be the, I say easiest, even though I think it's going to be hard, <laughs> but just like, I think maybe like a, as much as I hate, you know, corporate oligarchies, that may be interesting, <laughs> but you know, I think you've got some, some, I, I, this is pretty cool. So before we kind of wrap up then remind everybody again, when is this going to be hitting uh, Indiegogo? So I'm hoping to have this launch in February. I don't have a firm date yet. Um, it might be March instead. Uh, that's that's what I'm aiming for. So I recommend strongly recommend going again to tinyurl.com slash Kalazcon. That's C-A-L-A-Z-C-O-N and uh, signing up to be notified when it goes live is to make sure that you don't miss it. Because there's not a firm date yet, but it'll be in uh, early 2023, just a few months from now, from recording. Okay. Yeah, I know. We'll include all those links in our show notes. And if we've talked about a lot of stuff, but is there anything that we haven't talked about this project that you want to let people know about? Yes, I think the, the last thing that I want is that part of the reason that I wanted to have five squads with four players each is because between the Beam Saber Core rulebook and the Growing Conflict Supplement, 
there are 20 pilot playbooks. So with four pilots per squad and five squads, there are 20 pilots. So I made sure to get each applicant's top five preferred playbooks and along with their top five preferred squad playbooks. And after a couple hours of uh, organizing and looking over what everyone's preferences were, I've managed to finagle it such that every single Beam Saber pilot playbook is represented by one pilot in this program. So if you're a fan of the bureaucrat playbook, there's going to be a bureaucrat. If you're a fan of the hive playbook, there's going to be someone playing the hive. There's going to be a tuner. There's going to be a soldier. There's going to be a technician. Everyone's going to be there. Yeah, I I played the bureaucrat when I played, and I had a lot of fun with that one. So I got to ask you then, this is kind of like, you may not know this off the top of your head. Was there a most requested playbook? Was there a most requested playbook? Did like every, did like half of everybody pick this? The, was their top playbook the, was it the ace? Is that? <laughs> no, uh, actually the ace was one of the least picked. I actually do what? recall that. It was uh yeah, it didn't come up that much. I, I feel like everybody's like embarrassed to like, oh, I want to be this really cool thing, but I don't want to, you know, be that forward about it. Yeah, it's always really interesting seeing what people are drawn to with Beam Saber because sometimes people want to go for like the down to earth playbooks, like, you know, yeah. the, the soldier or the technician. Sometimes people want to go for the, the like weird ones, like the bureaucrat or the empath sometimes you'd want to go for the really weird ones like the forewarned or the hive and you know there's all these different options um i'm looking over my notes and yeah there's not there's there's not like a strong uh, uh leaning i think actually the envoy and the proxy were probably the most two common ones i think is sort of skimming over how things shook out which is interesting yeah very interesting the, the the face playbook and then one of the weirder playbooks okay yeah i yeah there's i mean there's a lot of cool ones i i like the bureaucrat because whenever i play a game i always am the dad or the mom of the group just it just happens uh, and if you watch any good mech animes, the bureaucrat is usually the one who, at the end of the day, holds everybody together. So if I, yeah, if you like, just yeah, go check out Beam Saber. It's it's cool, awesome. Where can people find Beam Saber to play it? Uh, you can find it at austin-ramsay.itch.io. If you go to itch and just search Beam Saber, then you'll be able to find it on there. There's also um. Like, I, like I've mentioned, there's a supplement for it called The Growing Conflict, which adds a bunch of cool new stuff. Um, but on top of that, uh, there's a program that I released a while ago, I think a year or two ago now at this point, called the Supply Drop Program, where people can design uh, beam saber material and uh, sell it themselves uh, for their own uh, profit and so thanks to that program there is a lot of third party material for beam saber at this point there are new settings there are new squad playbooks there's a bunch of new pilot playbooks and there's uh some new rules and 
directions on how to play and GM the game. Didn't somebody make something that lets you do Fast and Furious? Uh, yeah, that was actually me. <laughs> oh, that was you. <laughs> yes, okay, I, right. I made a supplement called Rush Wars, which is about you know changing the setting from a, a mecha show to being inspired by the Fast and Furious movies, Need for Speed uh, video okay. games, and uh, Saints Row games. I'm actually uh, running a Rush Wars campaign uh, currently. That's been a blast. That's awesome. Well, Austin, best of luck. Uh, this is super cool, and I really like Beam Saber. So, listeners, you should go check this out. So, Austin, where can people find you on social media? Uh, I am on Twitter at not an in. That's n o t a n i n n. You can also find me on Cohost and Mastodon and Tumblr at Austin Ramsey Games. Is the name I'm going by on those sites? Awesome. We'll, well, like I said, we'll include all that stuff in our show notes. But Austin, thanks again for coming in, chatting about this project that is very interesting. <laughs> thanks uh, for having me on. It was a pleasure to be here and get to talk about this uh, exciting new experiment. That's oh, going to be cool. It's going to be sweet. All right. Well, listeners, definitely go check out Kalascon and Beam Saber. Uh, and do not forget. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.